Welcome to the Life Point Church podcast. We do appreciate you being here, and we do respect those who felt like they wanted to stay home today, and, and hopefully they are watching right now by live stream. And, and so um, I believe you're going to get the same anointing and the same word as if you were sitting here with us today. Are you all ready for a good word? Yeah. All right. So uh, once again, appreciate you being here. We are finishing a series this morning. That has been one of the longest series I think that we have done. It has been 10 weeks. It's called The List, and we are looking at the Ten Commandments. And we believe every one of the commandments have a face value, and there's a life principle behind each one of the commandments. And so we've been pulling out those life principles. We're going to wrap this up today. And we're going on to a new series next week. Here's the title of my series next week, Attitude is Everything. And there are some attitudes the Bible tells us to cultivate, so, um, and there's one we need to delete. So we're going to start looking at those next week. That'll lead us right up to Easter. So we're going to jump into things today. God gave Moses these Ten Commandments, or these, this, uh, he, in Hebrew, it's the Ten Words. And we're going to look at a life principle here in, in just a moment. But I love what Pastor Robert Morris said. He said, God didn't give us the Ten Commandments to make himself happy. He gave them to us to secure our happiness. And, and Jesus said this, you could sum up all the commandments in this phrase, love God with everything and love your neighbor like you do yourself. He said you could sum up all 10 of them that way. And the book of James actually says something really, really wild. It says this, if you break one of the commandments, you've broken all of them. So you say, well, I, I would never lie, but what if you stole? Or I, I would never commit adultery, but what if you did tell a lie? So in other words, if you break one, it's the same as breaking all of them. That's why we need the grace of Jesus. I believe we've broken all of these commandments. That's why we do need grace. And so let's jump into them. The 10th commandment we find in verse 17 in Exodus chapter 20. It says, you shall not covet. Everyone say covet. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not cover, covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So when you see the word covet, it basically means this, a very, very strong desire. So it's a very, very strong desire, not just a normal desire, but a very strong desire that you have that you want something that belongs to somebody else. Here's why this is so important, because there's an enemy out there, and he wants to get you into having strong desires for something that belongs to someone else, and here's why. Because if you start watching what someone else has, then you'll see what you lack, and then you'll resent God. That's exactly how an enemy works. So it means to have a very, very strong desire, usually for something that belongs to someone else. Now, it, it, throughout the scriptures, there's a few little things or several little things that the Bible says about coveting. And I'm not going to put these on the screen. I'll reference them. In Colossians, it lists all of these things in our life that we should put to death. It's talking about, mostly about immoral things. And it says this, along with all those immoral things, put, put away from your life or put to death covetousness. In the book of Ephesians, it says this, that if you have a problem with covetousness, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. It doesn't say the kingdom of heaven, but the kingdom of God, the power of God, the blessings of God. The book of Luke says to beware of covetousness. And in 1 Corinthians, it says don't keep company with people who have a problem with covetousness. And so the book of Hebrews says this, let your conduct be without covetousness. So we're supposed to behave without covetousness. It goes on, it says, um, but be content with the things that you have, and God says himself, I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. So uh, the Bible says this, that we should be content and not covet. The word um, 
Content means this, that we're satisfied. Um, if you hear the word contention, it means to struggle against. So here's how this works. If we do not learn to be content, we, we allow contention to set in, and contention turns into comparison, and comparison is a sin. So we need to learn to be content, not be contentious, because we become comparison. So let, let, let's, let's get, let me give you a few examples how this works. So being covetous means I have a strong desire for something someone else has. And the Bible says, don't covet your neighbor's house or their ox or their donkey or their servants or even their wife. And so here's how this would mean. So men, let me talk to you. Um, it, this is how it might work for you. you. You see the status that another guy has and, and you start to get a little jealous or you start comparing yourself to the status that some other guy has. Or you might look at his paycheck or his career or his job and start to think that he has something better than you do and you get contentious and you get restless about it. Or how about this? You see the ride he's driving. You're still driving that little Fiesta trying to get good gas mileage and he pulls up in the diesel, you know, Ford 250 and something inside of you gets a little contentious and you see what he has and you start resenting God a little bit because his status or his career or his vehicle looks like it's better than yours and you start to get a little resentful toward God. Or ladies, how about this? You, um, you, you see the house that maybe someone that you know has and maybe it's, it seems like it's a little better than yours or it's a little bigger than yours and something on the inside just starts to get a little contentious and, and you don't know it but you resent God a little bit because how come their house is bigger? Or you see their relationship with their spouse and it seems better than yours and you get a little contentious. Or, or, or how about this, ladies? Um, you, you, you see the body maybe that someone else has or you look at your body and it's not good enough and you start to compare. And the Bible says that this, this is the sin of contention. This is the sin of a covetousness. And so we start to resent God a little bit because we feel like someone else has something better. Or how about this? This one works for all genders, the world of social media. Nobody posts on Facebook when their hair is at its worst or they have an acne breakout. You look on social media and it looks like someone's life is like all that. It's perfect. It's amazing. And you start to look at their life and then you start to reflect on your life and you start seeing everything that's not as good in your life and all their stuff looks better. Their relationships, their pictures, their bodies, their situation and we start to covet, mine's not as good, and we get a little bit resentful toward God. And this is the sin that God's warning us about. And he said, this sin needs to be put out of our lives. And Because here's the result of it. We either feel too inferior, or we'll start to feel too superior. And, and the Bible says we need to be content. And here's, here's the sad thing about it is, when something good happens for someone else, we can't rejoice with them. Or... Something bad happens to them, and we do rejoice about it. Now, you wouldn't come out and say it, but there's something inside of you. So, well, that's what they get being like that. That's just what they get. Or I'm glad this happens to someone else. And so there's this covetousness, this contention, when all along God says, we need to put this out. We need to actually put this to death in our lives and put this away from us. Now, here, here, here's, a, here's, a, here's a big thing to grasp this morning. Covetousness is a gateway sin. Here's what I mean by that. Scripture tells us that it's the sin that opens the door to every other sin. 
So it's very, very serious. So we don't want to just like, well, it's number 10 on the list. It's the least important. And so out of everything God could have said when his people were exiting Egypt and going into their promised land, and he said, hey, the number 10 thing on the list, put this contention or put this covetousness, put it far from you. Put it to death. Don't hang out with people who have this because God knew that it was going to be an issue in your life and my life. And, and it, it actually is the gateway sin to all other sins. And, and here's why. Because it has to do with what? You're thinking. And so the principle behind this commandment is our thoughts. None of us just wake up and sin. We think before we sin. Our thoughts precede our failures. Our thoughts is where temptation happens. Our thoughts is where failure begins to set in. So really, I believe that this principle is really a principle, just like last weekend, uh, lying was more about our words. At face value, it's lying. At face value, it's coveting. But what's behind that? It's our thoughts. So I want to share this with you this morning. Here's my title, The Truth About Your Thoughts. And I want to help you. We've taught a lot on thinking before, but I do believe this. If we can, if we can win the thought battle, our destiny will change. But it's just interesting to me that we can get so sidetracked with contention that it opens the door to all other sin, all other sins it's because of our thoughts. And it's not up to God to think our thoughts. There's one person that's responsible for our thinking. Guess who it is? God, if you just take over my thoughts. Well, that would be nice if he would, wouldn't it? If he just had a button and he was just like, Psh. but that's what he gave us the word of God for. He gave us the word of God. It's that remote in our lives. So let's talk for a few moments the truth about your thoughts. And so Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 says this, For as a man thinks within himself, so is he. As a man thinks, so is he. As you think, what's going on in our country right now? Thoughts of what? Fear, 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 fear. And so we've let fear settle in. So the Bible says that's what we think we are. So why is this so important? So let me, let me give you a couple of pointers there for your notes. Here, here's why thinking is so, so important, or get, getting, um, knowing the truth about your thoughts is because um, what you think about determines how you feel. And how you feel is what you believe. So let's think about this. If I'm thinking right, I'm going to feel right. I'm going to believe right. But what if you're thinking wrong? You're going to feel wrong. And you're going to what? Believe wrong. It is so important that we think. Now, how many of you, when you started to get some revelation on understanding how to win your thoughts or the importance of your thoughts, how many of you just really, it changed everything? I don't remember many messages growing up about my thought life. And that's where the battle happens. That's where the victory comes. That's where the, where the failure shows up. It all starts what? Right here. Our, our thinker. And as I mentioned, you're the thinker of your thoughts. And, and if we can allow the word of God to alter our thinking, it will alter our feeling, alter our believing. Because you will wake up in the morning and, and those first couple thoughts start determining how you feel. How many have ever woke up on Monday morning and just had those thoughts like, this is going to be a bad day. Like just, you don't want to get out of bed. Nothing's good is going to happen. And it just starts coming. And here, here's what happens. If we start reasoning with those thoughts, that's why the Bible said we got to do what? Pull down those thoughts. We got to capture those thoughts. Why? Because we start reasoning with them, it starts to determine how we're going to what? 
feel. That's, that's why it's so important for you and I to know the truth about our thoughts because it does determine how we, we feel. So, you, Pastor, are you saying that if I thought a certain way, it could change how I feel? That's absolutely what I'm saying. If we would think a certain way, it can alter how we feel. But, but we, are, we are very emotional people. And so there are many times that our emotions tell us how we're going to feel, and we just reason with it and obey. You do not have to obey your emotions. You do not have to be led captive by your feelings. Now, I do know that it's easy for me to stand up here and just say that, and it's a whole other thing to begin to face that and deal that. But I do believe in your life and my life, there, there are times that I have just let my feelings and thoughts start to get away from me, and it's absolutely determined how, how I'm believing for the day or feeling for the day. And there are times I've responded right and, 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 take, and taken captive those thoughts, and I have, I have been able to control those thoughts, and it's determined how I felt about something. How many of you have ever gone up against something and you were just full of dread? Ah, oh, just this is the last thing I want to do. It's, oh, my gosh. Anyone ever had I've had that happen so many times that I've had to stop and just be like, you know what? I get to do this. I get to be there. I get to have this. I get. To. And so it's all about how we think because it determines how we feel. And, 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 and here's the second reason that it's so important is my thoughts determine what I say. So we learned a lot last week about our words. So it determines how I feel about something. It determines how I, uh, what, what, what's going to come out of my mouth because the Bible says this, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth does what? It spews. We, we learned the word last week. It said we fling things out there from our words. But our words come from our what? Heart. And the Bible actually says this about your heart. There's not one good thing in your heart. It actually says that about your heart. There's nothing good in your heart. So if there's nothing good in our heart, guess what's going to come out of our mouth? Unless the Bible starts to alter those things. So, so we can begin to think on something, and it determines how we feel, and how we feel determines what we're going to what? Say. Have you ever just known you shouldn't say something and you said it anyway? Why? Because you just felt like saying it? And I know I joke about this, but, you know, if you're a believer, you have the mind of Christ. You have Christ in your heart. So somewhere between here, here, and here, and on the way out, you're like, oh, why did I say that? Or why, why would I... Why would I tell them that? Or why would I? You, do you just, don't you wish it was just like a, a rope on those words? You reel it in real quick before they landed? There's not. But, but we will speak out of what we're feeling and what we're believing. You know, I can prove that to you. Um, you. You speak a lot about what you believe with your faith. You, you speak a lot about what you believe about politics. I'm sure over this last week, we've all had a lot of opinions about everything. My phone's been blowing up the last few days from pastors calling, what are you guys doing? What do you think about this? Blah, 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 blah. And so it, it, it really does depend on what is in your heart and what is in your mind because it's what's going to come out of your mouth. And so I, I've tried to respond with, with with complete wisdom and complete faith in these areas. And here's the other thing that it does. My thoughts determine what I do. So it's real important about my thoughts because, number one, it determines how I feel and believe. It determines what I'm going to say. And it really determines what I'm going to do. So I would say it this way that you do not have to accept, nor do you have to water every thought that comes across your mind. You do not have to own every thought that comes across your mind. And this may be the first time you've ever heard that. It, a thought that comes and knocks at the door of your mind, you do not have to receive it. You do not have to accept it. You do not have to welcome it. You do not have to open the door and let it come in. You don't have to reason with it. You have to choose, though. Do I welcome it and receive it, or do I refuse it? 
It would be like if someone came to your door and knocked on the physical, literal door of your house and they wanted to come in and they were very uh, uh, invasive and they were very pushy and they were almost one foot in the door trying to just come and they kept knocking and they kept trying to push. You would have to decide if you wanted to welcome them into your house or you were going to leave them standing at the door or if you were going to reject them. That's the choice that you would make. Why? It's your house. It's your right. It's your responsibility to guard your house. So you do not have to accept everybody who knocks on the door. It was funny the other day, day I, I, I was actually getting ready to get dressed and, and my daughters were like, someone's at the door, someone's at the door. I'm like, open the door. <laughs> like, we don't want to open the door, we don't know who it is. So I had to get dressed, go all the way back down the house and it was someone selling something and, and so it was up to me how long I wanted to have that conversation or if I wanted them welcome into my house and, and I didn't welcome in, them into my house and I didn't have to feel bad about that. Why? It's my house, it's my space. This is your house, this is your space. This is your house, this is your space. So you don't have to water those. And it's kind of like this. A crazy thought can come your way. You're not responsible for the thought that comes your way, but you are responsible for what? How you welcome that thought or how you reason with that thought. You ever just had a crazy thought come your way? And I've shared these before. I'm running out of jokes. I know it. But, but I, I, have you ever been, maybe this is not used. Don't look at me real religious. Have you ever been standing at the bank and have a thought like this? I've had this thought, right? I would never do this. So you know, if you're FBI or something, this is just, I'm just... This is just a crazy thought, right? Um, have you ever just been standing there in line and you look at the security guard and you're like, I could take him. <laughs> One, I could whoop him. Two, I'm faster than him. I could get the money and be out of here, right? Crazy thought, right? Okay, that was wild, right? So have you ever been sitting at dinner and just, you know, didn't get the check forever and you're like, I could be out of here. Dine and dash. I could be right out of here. <laughs> well, obviously, we, I have more sense than some of those thoughts, but you know, I'm not responsible for those thoughts. But see, there are people who don't respond to those thoughts and reject those thoughts, and they do those things. But we all can have some crazy, stinking thinking. What do we do with those thoughts? Because really, behind the principle, just think if your mind is wandering on you or, or your mind is being contentious with you or I, I don't look like they do, I don't have what they have or how come they've got that from God and I don't have that from God and these contentious thoughts can be, what, what do we do with those type of thoughts? I know the crazy thought about you know, beating up the security guard or dining and dashing, those, those are silly. But what if it's just thoughts sometimes that bombard us and come at us and and we think we're inferior to somebody. Here's the problem with letting yourself feel inferior or insecure. You'll have trouble believing the scriptures if you allow a spirit of inferiority or insecurity to be resident in your life. You, you will feel like those scriptures aren't for me. I'm not good enough. Those are only for people who seem like those things are working in their life because their car is better, their house is better, their relationships are better. So what do we do? What do you and I do as believers if the Bible says put that stuff to death? Put that stuff far from you. Don't even hang with people like that because you won't inherit the blessings of God if those things are, are pervasive in your life. Well, let's go to Romans chapter 12. There are two verses and it says this. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I like that. How do you respond to just the greatness of God, the goodness of God? How merciful, God, has, been God, has he been merciful to some of you? How, how many of you really needed some mercy? So God's been merciful. 
He has shed his blood for you. He has given his life for me. What, what is my response now as a disciple, as a follower of Christ, as a believer? This, this is what Paul's writing about, and he says this. Well, I encourage you, in view of the mercies of Jesus, I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God. Surrender. Don't we love the word surrender? No, someone's like, no, you don't. No, you don't like the word surrender because it means I take my rights and I lay them at the feet of Jesus. And then I pick up the responsibilities as, of being a follower of Christ. So it says, you surrender yourself to God to be his sacred living sacrifice. And we're to live in holiness and we experience all that delights his heart. For this becomes our genuine expression of worship. So our genuine expression of worship is our response to the mercy of Jesus. He's been so good to us. He has saved us, healed us, delivered us, set us free. He has entrusted us to carry the gospel. He's entrusted us to be alive uh, with a testimony, to have the Spirit of God alive enough in us. And in response to that, what is it that you and I do? Well, we have this expression of worship that we surrender our lives and we live a life that pleases him. But I want you to know that's not just outward stuff. That's not just I don't do this because I'm a Christian or I don't go there because I'm a Christian. It's also laying our lives down and surrendering areas of our life. And, and so I've, I've had to pray some prayers like this lately. God, help me with my words. And God, help me with my thoughts. That's surrendering. Because I have some thoughts and I have some words that are pretty contrary to what I think he would want me to have sometimes. And I assume you do too. And so that's a prayer that we need to say. Because this is a living sacrifice, it means this. This is, a, this is our daily duty. God, help me with my thoughts. Help me with my actions. Help me with my words. Help me with my attitudes. And I surrender these to you. And ver verse 2 says this. And we need to stop. So we're reading along. We, we, we have this testimony. We have this, um, we're going we're to worship him, and this is our genuine expression of worship, and we're going to honor him, and we're going to surrender, and we're going to stop doing something. Look what it says. We're going to stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture that's around us. Now, in, in the light of the week we've had and the news we've watched this week, I love this verse. That we're not going to have the opinions or the ideals of culture. Culture's in fear right now. Fear is a pervasive attitude in our world the last couple years. And so we're going to stop having that opinion. So how do we do that? But we're on the inside going to be what? Transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how we There's going to have to be a total reformation of how you and I think if we're going to be transformed. Now, how many would be honest? No one's watching. The rest of our church this week that's on watching live stream, they're not paying attention to this moment right here. But how many of you would agree with me? We need some transformation and some remodeling in our thoughts. And we're not telling anybody. They're not watching, right? We all need to have some change happen in the thought area, especially in our thoughts. A total reformation of how we think. The end of the verse says, and this will empower you to discern the will of God as you live a beautiful life, satisfying 
and perfect in his eyes. Satisfying. Isn't that what being content is? It's being satisfied. Contention is to struggle against satisfaction. So the Bible says if we're going to live a life that really satisfies us, a life that brings him honor, a life that's perfect in his eyes or mature in his eyes, we're going to have to learn to submit our thoughts, allow him to alter our stinking thinking. And if we do that, the Bible said, it will empower you and me to know the will of God, to discern his will. So here's what that literally means, that we need to dedicate our thinking so we can be transformed and stop being conformed. There are many times during your week, especially this week, there are a lot of times I had to stop and say, my thinking needs transformed, not conformed any longer. Didn't mean I didn't take a lot of the threats I was hearing seriously. I had to make a decision. Am I going to think faith? Am I going to think fear? That was my choice because fear, fear is knocking at the door right now. Loudly knocking. And those things can get in us and put us under the power of it because fear is a spirit. It's a spirit. It's a devil spirit. But even aside from this last week, there are just things that, that can come to try to mold us into the how, how the world thinks financially, relationally, emotionally. And the Bible says we need to have something that alters our thinking so we can discern what the will of God is. That's the word of God. The word of God is what changes our thinking. That's why you and I need some time every day with the Lord where we're looking at what Scripture is saying and we're saying, God, you need to change my thinking. Because if we think wrong, we're going to feel wrong. If we're feeling wrong, we're going to speak wrong. If we're speaking wrong, we're going to act wrong. But if we think right, we believe right, we'll speak right, we'll do right. So there are two mental laws that psychologists have given us. And I want to prove to you that they're actually scriptural laws. But the Bible tells us that we need to allow the Holy Spirit to change our thinking and here, here are two things I want you to know about this. Write this down. Um, one, it is an ongoing, gradual process. You cannot go home tonight, get the Bible out, and start cram- Anyone ever crammed for a test? It, what that means is you wait till the last moment, you stay up all night. When I was in college, we would go to Denny's, get a big slam, grand slam breakfast, and we would cram all night for an exam. You can't cram for an exam, the Bible says this is an ongoing, gradual process. I think that helps us because we're going to be doing this the rest of our lives. You can't go home tonight and fix every thought, but you can understand that this is going to be an ongoing, gradual process in my life for my thinking to change. But here's the other thing I wanted you to write down. This is a command. If God commands something, it should grab our attention. God is not saying, hey, let me make you a suggestion, just a little something I want to throw out there. This might help you out a little bit, ease a little tension. If you want to, I'll just transform your thinking. Don't conform me along, but it's up to you. No, God says this. If you really want to understand the mercy of God and respond to it, I would command you to let your thinking be transformed. Let it stop being conformed. Let it be transformed so you'll know what the will of God is in every situation. It's a command. So here are these two mental laws that psychologists say that they are. And the first is the law of concentration. And here's what it means. 
it says this, you can only think one thought at a time. And what you think on the most grows into your life experience. So you can only think one thought at a particular moment, and it can, but it will grow into your life experience. So we should stop right there and think about the things that we are reasoning with and thinking about because it, this is what grows into our life experience. This is why it's so important right now for us not to dwell on this spirit of fear because it will grow into our life experience. Now, the book of Colossians says something about this. Now, I'm not putting this on the screen, but you can write this down. Colossians 3 verse 2 says this, set your mind on things that are what? Above, not on the earth below. That basically is supporting this mental law. This mental law says you can only think one thing at a time, you put your focus on something, and what you are thinking on the most grows into your life experience. Well, Colossians says this, keep your mind on things that are higher, don't let them dwell on something that's lower. Let me give you the definition or the verbiage in a little bit better way that makes sense to you. We could say it this way, focus your thoughts on things that are higher, focus. You know, there's a difference when you say, think on something and focus on something. So scripture tells us, focus our thoughts on things that are what, higher. Right now, if you haven't done it this week, I would, in, I would encourage you as you go home today, focus your thoughts on the words of Jesus. Don't focus on disease. Not saying don't be smart. I'm just saying, don't, don't, don't focus on the best. Focus on the things. Fo- look at someone and say, Focus. We could also say it this way, concentrate on things that are higher. Sometimes Aaron has to tell Aaron, I should say Diane has to tell Aaron, (laughs) focus, concentrate. This is funny. This is a little side story. I like telling funny stories. So we were literally standing in our sort of um, kitchen area one day, and she's telling me something. We're talking probably about feelings or something. So we're talking. (laughs) We had this big window out back. And she always tells me, like, you know, I have this squirrel moment. Anyone else have a squirrel moment? Like, you're listening, all of a sudden, you're like, literally, a squirrel ran by outside. In mid-conversation, I was like, you see that squirrel? She's like, exactly what I'm talking about. I'm like, but you don't understand, it was actually a real squirrel this time. This just happened. This was a couple weeks ago. All right, back to what I was saying. So we concentrate, we focus on higher things. It takes some intention to do that. Let me give you a couple other ways we can say this. How about this? Exercise your mind on higher things. Exercise. You know, we exercise our bodies, but we can also exercise our mind. Exercise our mind on things that are higher. I like this one. Take the opinion of something that's higher. I'm teaching you how to become stronger in your thoughts. I'm teaching you here, what do we do with all this thinking so we don't, we don't think contentiously or we don't think wrong or we don't think sinfully. Or, so we, we, take our, uh, uh, we take the opinion of higher things. How about this? We interest ourselves in higher things. We direct our mind to higher things. Now, if you know there's some areas of your thinking that particularly challenge you or you're being challenged with, This is a great scripture for you. And science says it. It says what you think on the most, you can only think on one thing at a time, and what you think on the most is going to grow into your life experience. So if we think on fear enough, if we think on depressing things enough, if we think on being inferior enough, if we think on um, discouragement enough, guess what? It will grow into our life experience. If you think enough that you can't do it, you're right. You will not be able to. But if we put our mind on some things that are higher, 
which is the word of God, it transforms our thinking. You see, you, if you start reasoning, you're right, I can't do that. I'm not smart enough. I don't have a degree for that. I'm not going to. Or you can see what does the scripture say. I can actually do all things through Christ who strengthens me to do that. I, I, that's why I always say these scriptures. I'm trying to get you to think on something different. So that's the first mental law. Here's the second mental law that you can substitute one thought for another thought and change your mental state, thus changing the outcome. So the law of concentration says I can only think on one thing at a time and it grows into my life experience. The law of substitution says I can take one thought, substitute it for another, and it will change my mental outlook, thus changing the mental, changing the outlook. Now, science also tells us this, that we are creatures of habit, which means this. We, we actually can become so habitual in our thoughts that when it comes time for our mind to make a decision, here's what happens. Our mind is used to how we decide and think, so it goes to sleep and we make emotional decisions. That's why scripture says, well, the, the, the second law is you can substitute one thought for another, but that's actually scriptural because Ephesians says this, put off the old, Ephesians chapter four, verse 22 through 24, put off the old, everyone say old, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. What, what are we talking about? That's substituting a thought for another thought. I, so yes, those are mental psychological laws, but they're, they are spiritual scriptural pointers. I can take a thought, alter it. So you have a thought that comes in, it could be a, 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 a depressing thought, a discouraging thought, a contentious thought, a covetous thought. What do you do? You, you, you take a Bible thought and you immediately resist it with that thought. You immediately replace it with that thought. Or, or I would even say it this way, don't wait till you have the thought. Start putting these thoughts into place. Start reading a scripture and saying those scriptures over your life. And so it says we need to be renewed. Everyone say renewed. In the spirit of our mind. That means that we sink, check this out, we sink into a fresh new mental disposition or outlook. When that happens, it changes our perspective, our attitudes, and our actions. We have to sink into some new ideals, sink into some new opinions. Here's what I would say. We just need to sink into what Jesus said. There's some stuff Jesus talked about. He talked about you being free. Did you get that? You being free and you being delivered. He talked about you being healed. He talked about you being blessed. He talked about you being saved. He talked about the fact that you are righteous. He talked about the fact that you're favored. He talked the fact about, the fact about your, you being loved. How about this? He talked about the fact of you being forgiven and you being justified and you're the head and not the tail and you're above and you are not beneath. And you have a future and a hope to the final outcome. Those are some things that scripture says about you and you need to sink yourself into them. The Bible says, take the word of God, look into it and it's a mirror and it reflects back what God says about you. And what you need to do is get into agreement with what God said. And that's really what Paul wrote about. There needs to be a total transformation of your thinking, which means this, it's a gradual, ongoing, daily process that God commands in our life. So what do we do? We take the words of Jesus, we take the word of God, and we focus on it. And we substitute those thoughts 
for those other thoughts. What will it do? Well, it will, one, change your disposition. It will change your perspective. It will change your words. It will change your feelings. And it will change your actions. That's what the Word of God does. But unfortunately, a lot of times, we just go with the thoughts that have invaded us through the messages of life experience, through the messages of social media, through the messages of media, through the messages of print, through the message of video. All these things invade our thoughts, and they sort of fix us. There are things that have been said to you, over you, spoken over you, said to you, that have formed your thoughts and your feelings your whole life. And then sometimes your actions got into agreement with that, and now it becomes what the Bible says, it could just be like a stronghold in your life. That we continue to think, breathe, and act a certain way. And the Bible said, but when you are born again, that power is broken. And when you take the words that he said, and declare them over your life, the Holy Spirit takes the Word of God, makes it alive, and transforms little old you. Before you ever get really blessed, you have to come to an understanding that you're not poor anymore, and God wants you blessed. I, I don't, it doesn't matter what your family has said all those years, but your thinking has to change. Here's why your thinking has to change, because you have to believe right. I can shout it this morning, but till you start to get to a place where you start agreeing with what Jesus said, it'll start transforming you from the inside out. It changes your belief system. It changes your believers. It changes your feelers. It gets you on the same page with God. My wife said something really cool this morning, because we knew we'd have a lower crowd just because of everything going on. She said, it's not the amount of people that are in attendance, it's the amount of people that are in agreement. And with the Word of God, it's not the amount of people that are attending it. It's the amount of people that are getting into agreement with Jesus. That's what changing our thinking is all about. And newsflash, it's gonna have to happen daily. But that, the Bible says, is your reasonable response to the goodness of God. He's blessed you, saved you, set you free. Your reasonable response is get into agreement with him. Our thoughts are sort of like a train. It's like that track. That train is going to go where that track leads. But if we can change the tracks, the train will end up a different place. And you and I get to relay those tracks with the Word of God. Anyone getting something good this morning? Well, when you came in, you should have received some communion elements. If you didn't, if you raise your hand, they'll give those to you. Let's stand. We like to end every series uh, with receiving communion, we just like to say this, we like to seal what we've learned. So 10 weeks, we have learned a lot of things. And Jesus said, we can sum it up like this, love God with everything that's in you and then love people like you do yourself. But when the commandments were given, they were given to people who before were not able to think on their own because they were slaves. A slave couldn't think on their own. They just did and thought how they were told to think. And God knew if you were going from slavery to an owner and you were changing positions and levels, he knew this, I'm giving you land and you can't think like a slave anymore. 
And just like God freed you from the power of sin, he freed you from the power of slavery, he freed you from the power of sickness, and he freed you from the power of poverty. For that to manifest consistently in your life, you and I got to think differently. You can't think like a slave and become an owner. You can't think poverty and be blessed. You can't think healed or you can't, did I say that right? You got to think healed or you'll stay sick. Right, there we go. Are y'all hearing me this morning? That's why I said your thinking has to change. Why? Because you're about to change levels. You're about to go into some new promises. You can't, you cannot receive your next phase or your next level thinking like you did last week or like you did in 2019. To walk into what God has for you for the rest of 2020, you got to what? Think differently. Your spirit doesn't have to change. Why? You already been born again, changed and perfected, but your stinking thinking needs to alter. What if the only thing keeping you from your next level and your next phase and your next blessing and your next breakthrough and your next healing or your next freedom, what if the only thing was how you thought about it? If, if that was the key, I'd get the word out and say, what'd he say about it? What'd he say about it? What'd he say about it? Tired of this invading me. Tired of this keeping me. It's the fence between where you're at and where he wants you to be. And he can break through the fence. He can break through the barrier if our stinking thinking can alter. But he, does, he doesn't just go... No, he takes his word and it changes us from the inside out. I'm glad you heard this message this morning. I'm really glad you heard this message this morning. Anyone glad for the work that Jesus did? Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Church Podcast. Visit us online at lifepointcentral.com.